You're listening to the Savvy Social Podcast, the show for budding entrepreneurs who want to understand the how and the why of social media marketing. I'm your host, Andrea Jones. Let's get started. Welcome to episode number 51 of the Savvy Social Podcast. This show is brought to you by Social Report, which is the world's most complete social media management tool, and it's my tool of choice when it comes to everything scheduling, managing, and reporting on social media. So you can try it out for yourself for free for 30 days by going to onlinedrea.com slash social report, and that link will be in the show notes. Now, today on the show, we have Jerisha Hawk, and Jerisha tells us all about social media and how to use it to sell. Now, for those of you who don't know Jerisha, Jerisha went from leading $400 million worth of pipeline projects as an engineer to doubling her corporate salary and quitting her job within the first year of starting her online business. She's helped hundreds of coaches and consultants and freelancers turn their side hustle selling services into six-figure businesses through her proven program, Services That Sell. She's been featured in places like Forbes and Black Enterprise and Side Hustle Pro Podcast and so much more. So if you want to simply sell your services online and exponentially grow not only your impact but your income, she's the woman for you. Now, we talk a lot about her strategy, especially Facebook Live. She's got a killer strategy that is very interesting, so you'll love her tips on that. We talk about how she spent her two years, last two years, really focusing in on just organic growth. She hasn't done much with ads except for recently. And we talk about how she figured out how to really add value and listen, actively listen to her tribe. So you are going to love what she has to say about that. Now, before we dive into the interview, a few updates. We have a brand new training in the Savvy Social School all about Facebook Live, which really goes along with today's podcast interview very nicely. So if you think Facebook Live is interesting or any live, like Instagram Live, YouTube Live, this training that I just taught will teach you how to set that all up so that it actually converts, what to do before your live, how to encourage engagement during your live, and how to really maximize that live after it's done. So check it out by going to the SavvySocialSchool.com. That's SavvySocialSchool.com. And it's $37 to join if you're not already a member. It's month to month, no commitments. And uh, something recently that we added into the school is hot seat flash coaching, which I'm so excited about because it's my way to really help you drill into a specific challenge or problem that you're having, but also in a group setting so that we all can learn from each other. So that's included in your membership. And because of things like the hot seat flash coaching and other things we're adding to the school, the price is actually going to be going up. So the price will be going up from $37 to $57. Yes, five, seven dollars. It will be increasing on August 1st. So if you're listening to this before August 1st, 2019, now the time to join while the price is low. $37 a month and you get access to everything that's in the school. All right, I've talked enough before we dive into this interview, so let's just get into it. Hey, Jerisha, welcome to the show. Hey, Andrea, I am more than pumped to be here, so thanks for having me. 
Oh yeah, I'm really excited to just pick your brain and learn all about how to sell, specifically on social media. Um, but let's start at the beginning. Like, how did you get started with your business? Because I, I mean, I already know the story, but I want to share it with my listeners because I love kind of your progression to where you are today. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, it was it was unexpected. Like, I was not planning to go full time in my business or even build this business. I thought it was going to take like another 15 years before I left corporate America. Um, you know, God has to, had different plans, but I was uh, a pipeline engineer working for a utility here in Michigan, a Fortune 500 company. And I, was, I loved my career. I thought the work that I was doing was incredibly valuable. Like people don't think about natural gas and electricity until it doesn't work. Um, but it was a really awesome career that I had. I had, I was, you know, on the leadership track. I was, I had got, promoted to a $400 million pipeline project very early on in my career. Um, so I was very fortunate to have amazing mentors and be getting access to opportunities. And I had a seat at the table, but I would look around that table and it's like, why am I the only one that looks like me sitting here? So the, that question for me kept coming up. I, I got tired of being the only woman in the room or the only woman of color in the room. And I'm like, even though I know the work that I'm doing is great, I know I'm not the, I shouldn't be the only one sitting here. So I got really involved in our diversity and inclusion department um, where I started asking these types of questions and um, ask, trying to understand what are the unique barriers that women and just underrepresented communities within our organization were experiencing so we could start to remove those barriers so they could excel as well. And we were able to make some like uh, amazing headway, but just like in any large corporation, there's just a lot of red tape and it takes a long time for a ship to shift directions. And the type of person I'm, I was, I'm like, the changes, I think that the change should be happening faster. Um, so I'm like, okay, I'm doing everything that I can do inside of this organization. What can I be doing outside of the organization to still build momentum um, to help other women move the needle? So that's when I started getting on Facebook and doing live videos and started sharing some of the things that were working for me to excel and to grow in the corporate world. Um, and then things kind of snowballed from there. You know, the, the business has been through three name changes. I don't know how many different offers, probably 15 or 20 different things that I've sold over the past two years um, to get us to a point where we are now where our primary focus is helping coaches, consultants, and freelancers enroll high ticket clients consistently without all the bells and whistles, with no webinars, no websites, no paid ads, no email sequences. Um, so that's, it, it was it, this really this huge passion because I want to see more women who look like me and not just women, I mean, I'm here for everybody, but like I'm really passionate about seeing more women and more women who look like me, not just have a seat at the table, but have a voice once they get there. And I think a lot of the time, even what I'm seeing now with our clients is, you know, maybe for a long time their voice hasn't mattered or their voice hasn't been heard or their voice has been boxed and contained based off of what their job or what their organization's um, really allow them to. And as they're stepping into, you know, learning how to turn the skills they have into a service they can sell, it's it's absolutely amazing to see um, our clients be able to find their voice and find confidence in their voice and be able to help other people experience a transformation when they're able to like fully step into, you know, their calling, who they are and like own their their skill sets. So that's like the short version of how we got here today. <laughs> 
No, I really like it. And I love that you just got on Facebook Live. Like you use the tools that you already had in front of you and available to you to get your message out there. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about that for a second, because I think some of us um, feel like we have to have, like you said, all the bells and whistles. We feel like we have to have a great camera and lighting and a microphone and all of these things before we start sharing our story. And you just started. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about what those first videos were like? What are the things that you talked about? What are the challenges that you had? And also, what are some of the successful things that came from some of those first videos? Yeah, well, one, I was terrified to get on video. Um, but I looked at, okay, either I'm going to be on video, I'm going to write content, or I'm going to produce audio. And I'm like, I have no idea how to make audio podcast type of thing. So I'm like, scratch that. I, being an engineer, only thing we had to write were like emails and reports I did not know how to write copy in a way that wasn't like academic and that like, at least I hadn't built that skill set yet. So I'm like, okay, I can't, I'm not writing. I'm not doing audio. What's left video. I'm like, good Lord. Um, and it just like, everybody's like, Oh, I need to go get a ring light. I need to go buy some Canon like TI five and like drop 600 bucks before I can start. But, but I looked at it as this, I'm like, if I can consistently do um, this like, I need to know that I'm going to go all in before I spend that money. Because a lot of the time, we will go wait until we have the money to buy those things as a way of procrastination. So I was like, well, what are the resources that you have available? So I just pulled out my iPhone. I did go buy a $5 stand from Five Below because they do have a smartphone stand. So that was my investment. Like if you have an iPhone, the quality on the iPhone is like almost just as good as a and or better sometimes in the paid cameras. You already spent a thousand bucks on a camera. You get you got one in your pocket. So I just started with that and the content back then was so the name of the business was called Empower You Daily. And I was really trying to help individuals live a more empowered life, which is like super vague. We've evolved. Um so I, a lot of what I talked about was people would ask me a lot of the time about how do I find my mentors? How did I call them my personal board of directors? I'm like, how did I build out my personal board of directors in my job? Um, people always ask you, how are you, how are you always a person that's top of mind when new opportunities come up? Like, how are you always getting access to jobs before they even get on the job board? Like, so I talked a lot about just how to navigate the corporate waters and how to position yourself in an, in a corporate environment to get noticed because our company, we had maybe 9,000 employees. And I remember, I remember the day that I started working there. I'm like, within two years, everybody will know who I am. Mm -hmm. Like, I will not just be another engineer that's been flying under the radar. People, like, people in every department, people will know who I am. And if they don't know, their friend in the next cubicle over will know who I am. So I started off a lot about talking about that. Um, but because people knew me from the business I started in college, so like backtrack my senior year of school, I ran out of financial aid. I had to come up with about twelve, thirteen thousand $13,000 very quickly. So I had no idea what I was doing. I got on Google. I started an online clothing business to pay for my senior year of school and it worked. It was phenomenal, paid my tuition, did all the things, but some people knew me from that. So people were asking. So then I started getting more business questions saying, well, how did you start this? How did you start a business? Um, like you had no idea what you were doing, but you knew you were doing, you know how to do something because you were, you knew how to sell. Like, so then it slowly started, the conversation started to shift. Um, and then the more I showed up, 
the more other people showed up and that's what kind of led to where we are now. Yeah. And it sounds like you're listening to what people are asking you for and you're, you're being flexible in giving, basically giving the market what they're asking for. Yeah. Like I think a lot of the time our ego and our arrogance holds us back from ever experiencing the abundance that's possible for us in our business. Um, mainly because it's like, well, this is what I want to sell. This is what I want to do. This is what I'm passionate about. And you may have a brilliant idea, but it may be terrible as a business. Like if there's no like revenue, that's one thing that corporate taught me that I was, that I will forever be grateful for. Cause even though I was an engineer working on such a, a high scale project, you get exposed to more of like the strategy and the financials of how that project runs. And also I would always try to be a fly on the wall. So anytime there was a strategic conversation or like a monthly operating review, I would ask my leaders like, can I just kind of sit in? I'll take notes. And like everybody, nobody really ever told me no. So that's something that you, you learn or that I learned in corporate that even though it may be a phenomenal idea, if you're not able to convert that into a legit business opportunity with a revenue stream and with potential to earn money, it's just a great idea. So that's something that in, 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 at the utility that I worked at, one thing that I really did notice, at least from my experience, is you have to listen. Because sometimes you may think in your mind that this is the best solution, that this is the best way, but you're not your client. Like, you're not in need of the product that you're selling. So you constantly have to remind yourself to put yourself in the shoes of the person who's actually making, like, who has the buying power. Um, and it, there has to be, like, a relation, there has to be a relationship between the two. It can't just be my way or the highway when, you know, you can't buy your own stuff. Like, I mean, you can, but that's not gonna, you know what I mean? Like you have to have customers. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hear you there. I mean, I think <laughs> that that's something that we all need to remind ourselves of because even if we have a great idea and we like it, people make their decisions with their money. So if people aren't deciding with their money to that, your thing idea is a good one, um, then you may need to pivot and adjust and tweak it until it is refined enough that people say, yeah, I'll give you money for that idea or that thing. So I I hear you there. Um, So I want to talk a little bit about um, your business as it is now and um, some of the things that you do on social media. So so let's start with Facebook. Um, Do you still use Facebook a lot to kind of build your business and how do you do that? Yeah, Facebook is still our home base. That's like, I think will always be our home base. I, I don't know when that will evolve, but that's definitely our home base. Um, and live video has been the number one vehicle that has radically transformed like our, our, our organic growth. So I would say I didn't start running paid advertising until maybe three months ago. So about almost two years full into business, all organic growth. And that was because the power, that's the power of what live video does. So being able to build a multi six figure business off of organic growth is like, when I, I thought that was normal, then other, I tell that to some of my business friends and they're like, what did you do? I'm like, well, what are y'all doing over there? Um, but there's so much power in live video and because Facebook and pretty much every other social media platform at this point. Um, they prioritize live video content over any other medium. So you will naturally get a higher level of organic reach when you do live video. But live video is where we've started is like pretty much everything that we do now is based off our live video content. And then the beauty of live video, I mean, the beauty of Facebook is that you're able to really cultivate a tight knit community using Facebook groups. So I'd say live video and then our Facebook group has 
been, I mean, that, that, that Facebook group has really been the space where we've been able to shorten our sales cycle and take a cold lead that may have listened to my video is like, yeah, I'm kind of for what this woman's talking about to get into a, a community space to warm them up. Um, so our, our Facebook group is really where we've been able to warm up leads and shorten our sales cycle. But though Facebook has been our home base. So tell me a little bit about how you get people from your live videos to the Facebook group. Like what does that process look like? I'm so glad you asked because this is the number one thing. So if you're listening to this right now, if you do not get any other nugget out of this, like out of this episode, this is the only, this is the only thing you take away with. You will start to see results immediately. But the big thing is your live video is the starting point. So whether you create that content and you do boost it or you run ads on it, or if somebody shares it, that's the, that's the point of entry that a consumer will recognize you from. But the important thing with your live video is somebody should not have to watch the video for five minutes, 10 minutes before they figure out what it's about and before they figure out what they're supposed to do if they like what you say. So every one of my live videos will always have a captivating title that clearly communicates, not saying, hey, watch my video or Hot Coastal Morning Show tune in like that provides no value to the person who's scrolling on their feed versus it'll say, are you struggling to convert your clients consistently? Like something like that to, you know, clearly communicate the value that somebody who would watch this video is going to get out of this video. So that's one thing you need to have a clear like title that communicates the value, not the value that, you know, you think it is, Oh, I made a new post go watch, but the value that a listener would get. And then second, there needs to be a call to action, not 17, not four, just one really clear call to action. So, um, and again, it, it needs to be focused around who the audience is. So you shouldn't say, go join my Facebook group. You know, that is a call to action, but it's like, well, why should I join your Facebook group? Um, for what? Like, what am I going to get out of me giving you my name and being in your community. So make it a very clear call to action that also communicates the value of what they're going to get when they join. And I say, even with your Facebook group, I think this is why broad Facebook groups maybe struggle to convert. My Facebook group is for my potential client. So if you are not selling a service, we will not admit you in. Um, and it's no shade. It's not like you're not great, but like we operate from a space of serving over selling. We are able to help, Coaches, consultants, and freelancers grow their business. We do not specialize in product base. So again, that I'm like getting sidetracked of the next step, but main thing is have a clear title and a clear call to action that communicates the value of why somebody should do it. So I will link in the video. Um, it'll be like, you know, are you looking to join, you know, a hundred other coaches, consultants with learning how to create a signature service? If so, join us, in my, join us in our Facebook community. And then the link to the Facebook group will be there. So those two things are like non-negotiables. And if you can't come up with what it should be before you record the video, right after it publishes, after you know what you've talked about, I had to do that for a while because I'm like, I, don't, I would talk off the top of my head. So then you go back and update it. But just make sure there's those two things included. Yeah, so powerful. I think, um, you know, just understanding the value that you bring is how you can, you know, ask for some of those things. You know, it's only for people who have a service, right? It's, you know, these are the pain points, things that people are struggling with. So those are the things that help get people into that Facebook group. So once they're in the Facebook group, what are some of the things that you do to encourage them to sign up for your programs? 
Yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad you asked this too, because I know this is something that a lot of um, our students in our community struggle with. They're like, Jay, I had this community. Now what? Um, the biggest thing I think is like focusing on being like not being on perfect, but focus on being consistent. And we intentionally um, post content in our group that's we post consistently. So every time I do a live video, I will share my live video into my group. So that's one piece of content. That's one valuable piece of content that they're able to gain because all of our videos, again, are focused around who our ideal client is. Um, another thing that we do is, again, you need, to, you need to be making the invitation for people to take the next step with you. And I would you know, challenge everybody here to go look at your Facebook group content or look at the content on your Facebook page or wherever you're posting content on social media. How often are you actually telling people that these are the problems that we solve with the services that we sell? And if you have this problem, here is an opportunity for you to take the next step and to, by working together. And that's something that, you know, in our Facebook group, we do at least once a month where it's like a very direct ask. Um, another thing that we do is, which, oh, what, this is probably the most powerful thing that drives how we create all the content in our group is, you know, those three prompt questions that when you join a group, you can now set up the questions. One of the questions that we ask, we like pretty much like, like how you would qualify a lead before a sales call, we qualify leads before they can get into our group. So one of the questions that we ask is, what are you struggling most with when it comes to insert whatever problem that you solve? So for us, what, what are you struggling most with when it comes to converting um, high ticket clients consistently? And people will tell you what they're struggling with. And based off of what people are putting in that, now every time somebody joins, now that's a new piece of content that I can create to overcome that objection or to answer that question or whatever. Um, so I would say using like, again, like you mentioned earlier, it's about being an active listener. You know, I listen to what my audience is telling me. Um, I have, you know, we document every one of those responses to those questions onto a spreadsheet. And then every month we will review what are the, what are the people saying that they're struggling with? Which ones are being repeated? Okay. That would drive our content marketing calendar for the next month and so on and so forth. So I think that's probably one of the most valuable things I would be able to share with somebody um, to help them get started with creating more content that actually connects with the people who are in their community. Oh, that's so powerful. So powerful. Like the act of listening and not just listening, but implementing. So you're basically using what people are telling you, this is what I'm struggling with. And then you're saying, okay, you're struggling with this. Here's my solution to that problem. It's that's, that's a very succinct and powerful way to just get more people in. And I think, you know, some people, some listeners may be struggling with some of these things because they're starting with their product, but they're not talking the language of their people. Yeah. So, while they may have a great service, they may have a great product. Um, if you're not talking language of their people, they may just not understand how you had, can help them. That is so, so true. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really powerful. Um, so tell okay. I want to talk, shift gears a little bit, talk about Instagram stories because that's really where I connect with you. And I love what you're doing on Instagram stories. And I think that it's very powerful what you're doing in the feed too, but mostly in the stories for um, showing up, being real. And I like what you said, um, consistent, not perfect. Um, being real in a, in a way that people can connect with. Um, so tell me a little bit about your strategy there. And um, what are some of the things that you're seeing working right now when it comes to Instagram stories? Well, can I ask you a question before I answer that? Because one thing, this question has been coming up all the time. People like, Jay, 
what's the IG story strategy? And I'm like, you know, it's just something that I naturally will do. And I can, and I've been processing a little bit about it, but I'm curious to know like what draws you into my stories. Mm, Yeah. So I like that you have a story. First of all, you don't just come on with one, you know, one slide, for instance, and just say, um, I have a product. This is what it is. Sign up for my mass class, whatever you similarly to what you do with your Facebook group, you talk about the struggles of being a service based business. And then you ask questions along the way. So if you're a service-based business, are you struggling with this? And then whatever people say, you have a response to that. So it's like an interactive experience. It's not a broadcast. That's what I like. Mm. Well, I wanted to ask just because I think um, it's, well, it's good to get that feedback. So like if I'm glad that you just answered that because that's helpful for me too. But I, I look at like, it's called Instagram story for a reason. Like there should you know, I'm not like a producer or like an, I watch enough movies, I guess, to get a tie, to get, understand how a storyline works. But for me, there's no, like, I don't have like a, a, a IG story content map that I use or anything that I follow. Like my, like I, I understand, um, I've heard Grant Cardone say this, that sales is a contact sport. And it's something like every single day, how am I making content? I mean, contact. How am I adding value so somebody understands like what problem I solve and whether or not I'm the individual or the service that I sell is something that can support them in experiencing a transformation. I mean, that's how I look at all social media is like, are this? it's a contact sport. Are you playing on defense? Are you playing on offense? Or if you, are you even in the game? Like if you're never showing up, because there's so many lurkers. There's so many lurkers, which no shade on lurkers because I'd be lurking on other people's pages too. But if you're a business owner, you can't be lurking in your own business. Like if you're not showing up, it's, it's going to be really, really difficult. Um, but I said that probably the thing that I love most about stories, again, all this stuff goes back to being an active listener. All of this goes back to constantly trying to understand the mindset of my audience because also to the point that you made earlier was I may have a great problem. I may have an amazing service. There's a huge difference between knowing how to serve um, and deliver that service well and knowing the business of that service, knowing how to sell it. Those are two different hats you have to wear um, in your business, especially if you're a solopreneur and you don't have like a sales team, which I don't have. I'm the one creating the content that's being delivered and delivering the service. I'm the one marketing and selling it. So in order for you to understand, I mean, how to be an effective marketer, how to be an effective seller, you need to understand like the psychology of your buyers. So the, the only way to do that is like to know what they're thinking. Um, and I think Instagram has made like with all these updates, there's so many ways for you to connect. And I think for me, I do not believe in running a passive business. Um, I believe that there's opportunities for you to automate aspects of your business, but like you can't automate a relationship. You can't pacify, like there's things that you can do to systematize things within your business. But like, I'm the only one that, I mean, we have a full service team now, but I'm the only one that touches my IG stories. Um, if you slide in my DMS, I will respond to you. Um, and I just believe that I don't know. I believe in, in building that relationship and personalized relationships is one of my core values. Um, I don't care how big I get. That's something that I really hope that never leaves our business. Like I believe in having personalized relationships, especially in a digital world. 
So like start to ask your people questions and it doesn't all have to be business focused. Like if you only talk to your spouse about, I don't know, like how's our money doing this month? Well, are you going to buy me this bag? Well, did you pay the bills? Like that's not like asking, like I will ask, uh, you know, like what show are you guys binge watching right now? What's your favorite podcast that you're listening to? Um, just yesterday I was just looking, like, I think, um, maybe another way for me to say this is instead of trying to focus so much on creating content, how can you focus on documenting and just sharing your journey? And when you shift the perspective on, I'm just, I'm just, this is just a documentary and this is just me sharing the process of how I'm evolving and how I'm growing versus like, is this the best piece of content that's going to get the most engagement? Like it can, it allows me to, I think, move more freely because I feel more comfortable to share my failures and my struggles and to be like, y'all, this is what's going on with me today. Like it's tough. I'm making decisions in my business and this investment cost me this much and it didn't work out the way that I thought. Like, cause I'm just focused on the documentation of my journey versus, you know, making the perfect piece of content. Mm -hmm. I think that's a way to look at it. Yeah. If I had a strategy that that would be it, I guess, in a summation, it's just documentation of the journey. Mm -hmm. And that allows you, like you said, the freedom to move, the flexibility to move and to pivot with some of the things that are coming up, some of the questions that your audience is asking. Um, and then even the story aspect, um, when you ask a question and people respond to it, that allows you to also have a follow up response or question to that. So yeah. I, I think that's so powerful. Yeah. And I think it, I know the biggest piece for me is like, so people are like, so are you manually doing that? I'm like, yes. <laughs> like, Imagine if you were like talking to your best friend and it was just like a chat bot responding to all their text messages. Like, I, I don't know. Like I said, I think that there's different seasons in your business, but especially if you're a small business owner, um, you probably have the luxury of time, you know, in the sense that Versus if you're running like a seven or eight figure business, your time may look a lot different on how you can utilize it. Um, but it's just like, you know, every day I just focus on, I mean, even if you just spend 30 minutes a day on Instagram um, and just document your day, like document what you're doing. Or if it's just in the mornings, you want to just share, y'all, this is what's on my to-do list for the day. This is what I'm going after. That, that's two or three videos of you talking and then fourth video could be a question well what's on your to-do list for the day and then allow them to engage mm -hmm. it's just yeah I, I think when we we try again I think a lot of the time people try to make it too perfect or it's like what's the perfect strategy it's like just focus on building an authentic relationship like get to know your people and I don't care how big or small your audience is like those are people who chose to follow you and chose to be along your journey like get in the car and ride with them you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think sometimes with uh, social media and just like the, the opportunity we have to look at so many other businesses that sometimes we forget Ooh. that um, there's different levels, there's different, you know, everyone started somewhere. And I think if like the powerhouses like your, you know, Marie Forleo's or Tony Robbins or Oprah's like if they were to start today, I think they would approach it from a people first perspective as well while they not they're probably not the ones in their inbox every day right now um if they could be i think they would and if they had the time they definitely would and so yeah. i think we have to remind ourselves and like take it bring it back down to earth a little bit like we're not at that level so we can take the time to really connect with people and that's where the magic happens that's where you get consistency in your business and consistency in sales is when you're constantly showing up so i appreciate that you said that
Yeah. And like one thing that I love that you said is like it, we have so much access to see so many other people and comparison can creep in. That was something I really struggled with last year when I was at a point in my business where I was growing quickly and I didn't know which direction to move into next is I, I got so caught up in what everybody else's highlight reel was. And I'm like, well, she's doing this and he's doing this and they're growing like this. And I started feeling bad or like second guessing what I was supposed to be doing. I'm like, if that is where you struggle, you have control. I literally unfollowed everybody on Instagram. I unfollowed everybody on Facebook. I, Cause I mean, I still needed to show up in my business, but I was like, I'm spending too much time comparing. I'm now not even on social media to be productive. I'm being on social media to like go lurk and see what somebody else is doing. And now when I get online, like I just started refollowing people maybe a month and a half ago, but you can go on social media. You just won't have a timeline. So it's like, you can be intentional with what you're doing. And I think there are some people who I like Sarah Blakely, I have like 20 followers now that I follow. Sarah Blakely is one of them. And Rachel Hollis is another. And the thing I love about those women is they both have multiple. Rachel Hollis is a seven figure business owner. Sarah Blakely is a self-made billionaire. I'm like, go ahead girl with, the, she's a creator of Spanx. Yep. Um, but the thing that I even love about her is like, she documents her journey. Like she is so quick because her, one of her big things is like, how can you embarrass yourself more often? So that embarrassment and that fear doesn't hold power over you. So she's just sharing all the times where she's like putting on a wig and showing up in a mystery van to her kid's school to pick them up. Like just all these times of when she's just imperfect. Um, but even at her level, like she's able to still, provide I think a transparent lens into like a part of what her day looks like and to still engage with her audience so like if you struggle with that and I know that's something I did like unfollow people like get rid of that negativity get rid of that off your timeline if that's holding you back um and so yeah that that's I want to just throw that in there because you have permission you control your timeline if it's a bunch of like negativity or comparison or whatever like just get rid of it Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, all for it. I actually have a podcast episode from back in December that I talked about that. Delete, block, do what you have to do to have more, like less negativity in your life. And so you can actually use social media like a tool to grow your business. Um, yeah. so Thank you, Jerisha. This has been fantastic. Um, and so I know that um, your program is fantastic, Services That Sell, um, but you also have a master class that people can kind of get a little taste of what you're all about and learn more about that. So can you tell us what we can expect if we sign up for your master class? Yes, it's about a 90-minute crash course training that really walks you through our proven framework on how to first even come up with the idea that you could turn into a signature service, meaning a high ticket four-figure offer that solves a very specific problem and then walks you through the process of not only how do you package that offer, but how do you sell it consistently, um, you know, without having to have a large audience, without having to have a large following, without really any of the bells and whistles. Just how do you sell your service using live video and sales calls? So you guys can visit jerishahawk.com backslash masterclass. It's absolutely free to watch, just 90 minutes of your time. And it will really help you identify where your blind spots are and where the gaps are right now for you in your service-based business to getting you to a point where you're enrolling high-ticket clients consistently. Awesome, yeah. And I'll put that link in the show notes. So definitely check it out. Uh, thanks so much, Teresa. Uh, also, 
can you let us know how we can find you on social media? Yeah, well, if Andrea says she loves me on Instagram, Instagram, we are popping over there right now. Um, come on over to Instagram at Jerisha Hawk, J-E-R-E-S-H-I-A, last name Hawk, H-A-W-K. Um, you can come hang out with me there, hang out with me on Facebook. You can find me on any social media platform at Jerisha Hawk. So come slide in my DMs and let me know what your top takeaway was from this episode. Um, I would love to be able to hear it from you. Awesome. Fantastic. Thanks so much. And uh, we'll see you in the DMs. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Savvy Social Podcast. For links and everything we talked about, please check out the show notes by visiting SavvySocialPodcast.com. And don't be afraid to continue the conversation. I'd love to have you inside of the Facebook group. You can search for us on Facebook or simply go to SavvySocialCrew.com. See you there. Bye for now.